When your best friend's all strung out. Okay, you just, you're going to knock the milk over, and then I have to clean up the milk. Okay, mom. Welcome, listeners, to the Go Local podcast, a podcast about marketing from marketers for marketers by marketers. I cover all the marketers now, right? I, th- yeah. I think you're pretty good. Today is episode three, the future of SEO. On this panel, we have Anna Chandler, Morgan Erickson, Austin Montgomery, and Kim Greiner. So today we're going to talk about SEO as it is now, how it got here, and then most importantly, what is it going to look like in the future, a topic we all know and love because we do SEO all day, every day. So to start off with, why do we think that the future of SEO is an important topic to discuss? Well, I mean, we do it all day long, so knowing the future would be kind of (laughs) nice. Okay, so it'd be good for us because we're psychic. But for everyone else, who's I mean, I in. have master psychic abilities. I don't know about you. Why do you work here instead of playing the lottery? <laughs> I've thought about it. The lottery is very different. That's like numbers. No, I'm much, I'm much better at personalities. So the future of SEO, why is this important to discuss for people in the marketing realm? Not just those who do SEO, but in general. I think from a realistic standpoint, knowing where you need to be going is always something to keep in mind. You want to have goals. You want to set your ideal, you know, kind of five-year plan or what have you. Maybe it's two months. Maybe it's five years. I don't know. But having an idea of of where you should be going is always a good thing to keep in mind. Well, and also the uh, fact that how many people do you see nowadays using yellow pages to find what they're looking for? (laughs) A consumer trying to find a product or a service. Everyone is using their mobile phones, their tablets, whatever. So having a future plan, like you said, a five-year plan for SEO is going to be huge for any marketing agency. It doesn't matter what you do. It's, it's going to be massive. Yeah, for sure. And it's always changing. So it's important to keep on top of things. And we all agree here, I think, that the future of SEO is going to be pretty different than what we're doing nowadays. Well, I mean, right. if you just look at how it's changed in the past 10 years, in the next 10 years, I don't know, it's probably not even going to be focused on search engines. Well, it literally went from being able just to have a Google Plus page, and as long as you had a Google Plus page, boom, you number one result. Yeah. yeah. Now it's like you have to have a Google Plus page. You also have to have 75 other listings. You have to have a nice website that's mobile friendly, that loads fast. And that, social pages. And social and pages. And all. I mean, and that was what, five years ago, six years ago? If that. that. All you had to have was a Google Plus page, and now look at it, the amount of hours that we spend per day trying to make a website Not to mention, like, keyword stuffing and all the horrible things that people could get away with five years ago that if you do today, you're done. So historically, there are only a few factors to consider when conducting a strong SEO program. And some of those factors have stayed the same. Some of them have been dropped by the wayside, like keyword tags. P.S. Thank God. So we know that things have changed dramatically in just a few years. Things are going to change dramatically. What do we think that change is going to look like? Well, uh, I don't know if this will have an effect, but I mean, right now with the uh, Pokemon Go boom, I mean, you have companies who are spending money to be found on a game. Not necessarily that that's search engine optimization because people aren't organically searching it or anything like that, but just that fact alone of people being online and using, you know, trying to get consumers in by 
interacting with them in any way possible, whether that is organic search, a game, whatever. I think that's a perfect example, too. I think what we're going to see is is marketing become even more hyper-local, more focused on the community. So referencing Pokemon Go, a lot of store owners have been putting signs out on the street that says, hey, Pokemon Go is here, posting on their Facebook page, we've got a Pokestop, come get your Pokeballs. And I think events like that are going to become more and more focused on in the SEO world because the local market in and of itself is already inundated with so much volume and there's only one way to go from there and you have to find those niche areas where you can really specialize in things and find consumers through different avenues so like in mobile for that example in Pokemon Go that's a mobile app that's trying to get customers to businesses well that's not the end goal but it's being used in that way and I think other platforms are going to be put out there for businesses to find consumers in other ways. You know, we've talked about doing that here in a lot of ways. Well, and you guys both touched on the users using this app, and we've touched here at Go Local a lot on user experience. So just this app alone, marketers and agencies are now looking at how can we use this app to make our clients and our customers reach their end goal or reach more clientele in organic search. But anyways, going back to user experience, I think that's something that's huge. And I think, like you said, going off on Pokemon Go, it's a um, based off of the users. Like why this app is now getting so many people to participate. And it's I think it's almost beaten all the marketing agencies because no one has thought about doing this. And now you're seeing millions of people, not just nationally, not just within our nation, but worldwide, using this one app. And to kind of give like more of, I guess, a broad spectrum on this for a far distant future, you know, we've been talking about apps quite a bit. And I think that for, for me personally, that's going to be kind of the future of SEO is optimizing apps, you know, getting apps to be where whether it's they're searching within, you know, the Apple store or something like that, because how many apps do you have on your phone that you use every single day, your bank, oh, yeah. your insurance, I mean, literally everything. So I think that that's going to be just mobile, if we want to go even broader than that, just mobile in general is going to be huge when it comes to SEO. I mean, Google, Megla Mobile Dawn or whatever it was. That was, I mean, some of the biggest stuff that they've come out with in a while for, for us SEO people. You mean mobile got in sound like a Pokemon? Oh, I had no idea what you were referencing, but the yeah. The Google Mobile Megadon <laughs> stuff. That is actually a good segue into what I think is the next step, you know, because we all started in SEO and it was search engines and websites. And then it evolved into search engines and social platforms like Google+. And then it evolved into apps like we've been discussing. And I think beyond that, SEO is kind of this more encompassing idea of making what you have to put out there more visible. And it, it's going to go to places like being involved in, in movies or movie theaters. People are going to specialize in basically putting one piece of content out there in many different forms so that no matter where you're at, you can connect with that. Like I went to a concert the other day, my favorite band ever, and they tweeted at the city that day. They put Facebook posts out. They sent a Snapchat out to everyone in the area. And it was this really immersive experience that made me love them even more. And I think that plays a role in search engine optimization somehow. So that brings up a really important question, I think, for the future of SEO. I mean, we talked about user experience, we talked about concerts, we talked about Pokemon. Those are all things that people genuinely love, right? You don't right. need to market Pokemon. It's already great. No, it'll do it itself. But what about when we are handling marketing for more 
boring topics, let's say, m more mundane things. We have seen a rise in people using ad blockers. We've seen a rise in people complaining about advertising and faux native advertising and that, you know, artificial turf grassroots campaigning. So people understand that marketing is everywhere and it seems like they're trying to carve out spaces around it while at the same time participating in it quite heavily as you mentioned with that concert experience. So do you think that in the future of SEO we're going to have to tackle more and more with balancing people's desires not to be marketed to with still marketing to them in a way that works for them? No, I think to that extent, marketing is somewhat inevitable. We're all getting used to being marketed all the time. It's almost second nature. You know, like people enjoy watching commercials now when 20 years ago you have, you know, that button on your remote so that you could miss the commercial or picture in picture so that you can miss the commercial. And now everybody sits down to watch the Super Bowl commercials and that's marketing and that's become part of our culture. So I think to that extent, we're never going to get away from things like ad blockers, but I think... People are figuring out how to market in a way that is more socially acceptable and more entertaining. And almost marketing is going to be forced to become another sort of entertainment. And we're seeing that. Yeah, look at uh, Snapchat. They have those filters where it shows. I remember another agency here in Kansas City won an award because they did like the uh, Gatorade dump. Like you could have yourself with your face there and it was like Gatorade and it looks like you won the big game and you got dumped on by your teammates. And right then and there, whether it's you know subconscious, next time you're at the gas station or whatever, maybe you pick up a Gatorade. Just because that was a fun way to market Gatorade. So marketing in general is going to have to be a lot more, I think, interactive instead of just blasting a you know radio ad at you or a TV commercial at you. It's gonna have to definitely involve the uh, consumer. So the games have to be that hyper-focused, hyper-local, individualistic approach. Yeah. The example that I want to go to is I was on, I forget what website I was on the other day, and it was uh, an ad at the top, and when you would scroll over the ad, it would do different things. And I didn't want to buy a Buick. I'm not going to buy a <laughs> Buick. But, like, the ad was super fun to just kind of scroll over and see it change and do all this other stuff like that. And maybe if I was in the market for a new car, you know, that might stick out to me as, oh, that ad was, like I said, subconsciously again. I'm not going to buy a car based on a fun ad I played. But uh, you never know. That, that could come up again. And I could actually look at a Buick, which I think is the end goal, is to at least get people in the door thinking about your product. So we're seeing marketing as more and more about not just getting your website in front of people, but building that brand loyalty and cohesion experience, too, then. I mean, it's the age-old argument of Coke or Pepsi. You obviously like one or the other um, because they have built a brand recognition. And I think that's going to be huge with uh, anything from mom-and-pop shops to, once again, you know, giant corporations like Pepsi and Cola. It, there's so many businesses out there nowadays that are the exact same thing. I mean, look at, like, Kansas City's had a boom of arcade bars, but what's going to make the other one stand out? Um, maybe that they do fun prizes or have fun advertisements or whatever it is. I don't know. But creating that brand awareness is definitely going to be big in the future. By the way, the first Kansas City company that comes out with an arcade bar that offers free childcare, you will make $1 million. <laughs> I think there's a niche market there you should go after, Anna. Just a bunch of dudes with like nose piercings and tattoos <laughs> watching your kids. And mm. have like six Pokestops inside the arcade. <laughs> Sold. You're, you're golden. Maybe getting us back on track, you were talking about this ad that had all of that interaction going with it, but that makes me think of content marketing. And then we're also talking about brand awareness. Now, obviously, SEO is an umbrella, and I feel like branding and content marketing and all that does fall underneath it. But do we see even more of a, instead of the umbrella, more of it just all meshing together? 
or do we still see them as separate? I think from our standpoint, you know, we visualize things as an agency differently than most people do. But I definitely think there's a little bit of SEO and everything. And there's a little bit of social media, like back to your reference about the Coke versus Pepsi. Coke did their Coke with a friend, share a Coke campaign. And a lot of their ad slogans that I cut on to were take a picture with your friend. So they're, they're getting back into the social media aspect of things that people love to take pictures and they love to take selfies. So I think everything that we've discussed today all folds together and there's this underlying element, as SEO kind of always has been, of figuring out how to reach people the best possible way. And I think it's figuring out where that role goes in the future that we are witnessing every day and we have a role in making those changes because we're involved in the industry. And I think as things evolve and we see things take off, like these various ad campaigns, there's a role that we have to play in that movement too because it's not just advertising. If your experience is different, in an ad versus on a website that the ad is trying to get you to go to, you're not going to stay there. You might click on that ad, but you're going to bounce right off the page. And so I think the the bigger picture from my standpoint is that SEO in the past year or two has taken this major shift towards user experience and making sure that it's it's very interactive and people want to have an experience. And I think that's kind of where the connection is, is that no matter what you're doing, if it's advertising, if it's search engine optimization, if it's social media, you want that experience, and that's what's going to pull you in that direction. I think you're exactly right, Morgan, that we've seen a big shift towards user experience. You know, 10 years ago when you were optimizing a website, you were really optimizing for the search engine themselves. Right. And that's why we had keyword stuffing and terrible link building and garbage articles. <laughs> and um, nowadays, you know, we've shifted as a culture to really living a huge chunk of our lives online, especially on mobile devices, as you mentioned, Austin. And so when we live online and people have such a strong experience, that means the website has to be fantastic. The app has to be fantastic. And so we have to focus on the actual user and optimize for them, not just for the search engines or even put the search engines secondarily. Well, I mean, I think that we've all experienced, you know, we're, we're searching for something. And just to use an example, say you're looking for a plumber in, you know, Overland Park where we're at. The first search that comes up, you're probably going to click on that one. You go to their website, and it is just a horrible, horrible website. Um, cannot figure out where anything is. You're like, you can't even find a phone number. You are more than likely, I'd say, I'm going to overestimate here and say 90% of the time, I'm going to bounce off and go to the second search. So having, like you said, exactly that user experience there, and really not only, I think that trying to get your website for the search engines is still front seat. But a close second is definitely having that user-friendly experience, mm -hmm. um, a website that works and everything else like that. Yeah. And it's so frustrating to get to, like, how many websites do you go to and you're like, that could work so much better. I'm really frustrated. I just went and I shop online all the time and I went to go buy something and I couldn't update my address. They had the wrong city. I was like, this isn't going to get to my house. But there was no way that I could change it. And that seems like something that's so simple. And there are aspects of every website that I've been to that I'm like, I wish I could change that. I wish I could change that. And I feel like there needs to be a conversation between consumer and business to say, these are the things that I want. You guys have done a really great job, but, but these are the things that I want you to focus on because that's what's important to me. Yeah, controversial opinion time. I think that we of SEOs have really focused too much on the back end and the technical aspects. And I'm not saying those aren't important. They are. They're necessary. But that we need to do a better job of focusing on the front end and what people actually see and do and how they experience the website. 
I think that's what makes this shift so exciting is because it's what we care about. And the back end stuff, yeah, it's fun and it's technical and we can get all nerdy about that. But at the end of the day, as a consumer, we need to do what's most important to them. And going off on that, me being new to SEO, I don't look at things more as the back end. Like if I'm on a website and I notice that something isn't working, my first thought is, this is such bad user experience. Like we should fix this. You know, I. I have the mindset of the front end more than the back end, where being someone who's more or less newer to the industry, I've noticed that it's been more of the front end. And I've noticed that with just the people I surround myself with as well, like here at our agency, but also some of my friends who are trying to go through websites and having frustrations. I, uh, I kind of wanted to change gears a little bit, but also get your opinion. It also kind of ties into what we're talking about. I read a stat a couple years ago that stuck with me pretty hard and it was like 52% uh, of people trust advertisements. So if you see an advertisement in a magazine or on television or something like that, where 90% of people believe a review that someone personally has told them. So if you know any of you were to tell me, hey, this restaurant is better than the other restaurant, I'm probably gonna believe you. But now it has moved up to where in the past couple of years, it's like 85% of people believe online reviews. So I mean, is that going to be, you know, websites like Yelp and everything else like that or websites having reviews is that is that going to be part of the future of seo are people only going to read reviews because you know the people that leave reviews it's always the people that are upset but i mean i don't know i just thought that was a crazy statistic that people almost believe strangers as much as they believe like a family member or a friend i think to your point it depends on the credibility of the review like you can tell when somebody's trolling and they're just looking to bash a company but i'm a big amazon shopper and the reviews on amazon i feel like amazon has built this community and they honestly care about what other people are gonna experience and, and either are like, hey, I'm really excited about this product or really excited about this book or whatever, or hey, this wasn't so great. Here's some questions I had beforehand. Let me answer those for you. And it all depends on kind of the platform that you're using, because I know what you're talking about. There are websites where it's nothing but trash reviews, but I think reviews are shifting in such a direction that yeah, like. I trust the reviewers on Amazon almost better than some of my friends sometimes it's because you have such a huge sample size. Like you talk to a friend, they had a bad experience. That's a sample size of one. But then you go and you read these reviews online and maybe 20 people had a great experience and one person had a bad experience. Yeah, exactly. I mean, at first it does seem baffling that you would trust total strangers as much as you would trust a close <laughs> friend. But when we think about advertising, we say, hey, you know, someone paid to produce that. They don't have my best interest in mind. They have selling the product in mind. But reviews, even from people we don't know with bizarre usernames, we trust. We think this is just a person. They're not getting anything out of that review, so I should trust what they have to say about it. Yeah. What I find interesting is my brother works for a true startup company, and he's always asked me, you know, when they relocated, um, spot, like they've moved quite a few times, but he's like, can you write a good review for me on Google? He's like, can you write a good review for me on Yelp? And, you know, I was like, what's that going to do? And for him, it's like they need, they want to have the good reviews and maybe because they're a smaller company, but it's like being a smaller company, I think they personally rely on the better reviews to get people to their company because they're so small, you know? Well, and that was when I worked for a much smaller agency, that was something that we pushed was our people getting reviews because we found that before Google switched to the three pack on the local, you know, on the maps and everything like that, 
people who had a consistently updated Google Plus page with a decent amount of reviews generally ended up popping up more within that you know, eight pack is what it used to be. So not only now are you being found more often, but you're also having those positive reviews that people can go and go, oh, Steve from wherever said this is great. I'm going to believe him. And um, you know, Austin, you asked, are reviews part of the future of SEO? And probably reviews are part of the current SEO, mm-hmm. right? I think a strong review response plan, though, is definitely something we need to focus on closer as an industry for the future. Uh, I see constantly... Um, companies that have a negative review go out and maybe that's just a short Google Plus review or maybe it's a big mention in a news article somewhere and they don't know how to respond. They go off the walls crazy and just come across as rude, horrible people that you would never trust instead of coming across politely and um, kindly and helping them resolve that problem. And, you know, that's important for like just an Amazon review a bit. Right. But that's really important for when something comes up in the news. Um, Like, you know, there was a restaurant in Maine that the owner of the restaurant kicked out of paying customers because they had a child with them and they thought the child was making too much noise. And the person, you know, the mom got home and left a review and was like, I was really disappointed with my experience there because of this reason. Now, the owner could have apologized even could have just ignored it but instead they had this huge rant on facebook about how awful it is to go out with your children in public you know how dare you interrupt other people's eating experiences and this is not like a fancy restaurant either by the way and that kind of response generated so much negative publicity about a company and with things happening so rapid fire especially on social media like twitter where one tiny mention can get blown up and thousands of people can see it, companies need to have the knowledgeable response ready to handle these kind of negative and positive interactions with them online. I think that's a big shift too, is that you're not just going out and putting information on a website. You're building a relationship. So no matter what you do and no matter what platform it's on, whether it's on your own website or on Google, or on a social media platform, I think the thing you need to keep in mind is that you're building a relationship with your consumers. And it's not just that consumer. It's every potential consumer that could ever see what you've put out there. It's the internet. Once you put it out there, it's out there to stay. You can't take it back. I just, it's so interesting that we're talking about this because three years ago, I took a course. And you know it was about social media and marketing, actually. And we were discussing Yelp and we were discussing just a couple review sites and how important it was to see that the company replied back to a negative review but also to a positive review and I'm not saying that every single review had a response but like you said when there's a client out there a customer out there that appreciates your brand and explains that just a simple thank you from that company is nice so it's like not just negative reviews it's those positive reviews too that it's important to create that relationship with the company along with the customer two parts to that. First part, I had cracked my windshield. I was going to go through one of the big box companies. They couldn't get me in for a couple days. It was going to be kind of pricey. I had to drive there. So I called somebody else and, you know, just was on Google search and found a company and I called them. They were going to come out that day. It was going to be a a couple hundred dollars cheaper and they were going to come to me. So I went on after they did it. It was quick. It was simple. I left a review, said, hey, these guys are great, blah, 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 blah. And yeah, like you said, they commented back and they said, hey, we appreciate your business. Thank you very much. And from that day, this was maybe a year ago, I have anytime someone's like, oh, do you know where I should get a window replaced? I'm like, go to this company. Um, So just that aspect alone. And then the second part, uh, kind of just tying all of this in, SEO 
in you know the branding, you know the the awareness, everything else, your best chance of interacting with customers and creating a relationship with customers is online. You can do TV ads, you can do radio ads, you can do newspaper billboards. That is not creating a relationship. That is just noise. When you're online, you can have this website that you know interacts with people, or social media that interacts with people, or whatever it may be. So to me, as we've kind of all said, that's that's a huge, huge stepping stone for the future of SEO. The other thing I really like is those online chat features. I feel like everybody should have one of those. And not just like have a chat feature, but have one that works really well. I am loyal to businesses because I know that if something goes wrong, they're going to take care of me. And I think jumping on that idea of chats and talking to people online and building that relationship, I think the next big thing in terms of relationships with brands regarding SEO is going to be personal assistance via voice search. So we've started to see these soft AI programs like, you know, you could say, okay, Google, and then just list off whatever you're wanting and Google goes and takes care of it for you. And it's not just search, but they'll also set up appointments and order pizza. And we're seeing these roll out from different brands. You know, Amazon has one. Apple has one. So we're getting into a realm where people don't have to even come up with a specific keyword. They can just kind of babble into their phone randomly and they still expect to get a good result. Like the other day I was trying to think of a particular song and I couldn't remember the name or the composer or when it came out or anything related to it. So I just I just Googled, what is that one song that all of the movies always use to have it be a scary song? And Google knew exactly what that was <laughs> somehow. It was the correct result was the first result. And that was a voice search. I wouldn't bother typing all of that, right? But I don't mind opening my phone and speaking into it. So from an SEO perspective, how are we going to deal with the rise in voice search? I think that there's a lot of competition on that. I've, I've read recent articles about how successful the Amazon Echo was. And obviously, Google has a better search engine, but people are shopping more on Amazon. And so I think eventually we're going to see this get to the point where, where these companies almost have to work together to make whatever they think the best offering for the consumer is kind of match up. Or, you know, somebody's going to beat out the competition. I was actually talking with Melanie here one time we were discussing this. And I, you know, made the comment that I can say, I have an iPhone, I could say, hey, Siri, ask her a question. And she'll give me the answer. And I'm like, how is that going to come up on an organic search? Like she immediately gave me an answer, whether it was what's a pizza place around and it pops up. So I'm wondering, how do we understand when we're, when people are using this voice search and how does that come up as a lead or a ranking? I think that's a big challenge of SEO. Yeah. We've Trackability has always been something that we've struggled with. And Google Analytics has come so far to help us. But, you know, attribution modeling can only get you so far. It's it's a guess. I think right now the answer is we don't know. Right. We that's can't know. Future, you know, you know um, we can say like, oh, well, we've seen some extra pizza sales <laughs> lately. But who's to say that that's because Siri found it or Alexa. And by the way, all of these passive, perfect, compliant robots we're building all have girl names and are all she's. That's not cool. I would agree. Thank you. Mail in the room. That's my two cents. <laughs> it was very appreciated. Anyway, um, you know, we, we don't know and we can't answer that question yet. When we're able to, though, I think we're still going to think about how do we show up for those searches, right? So even if we can track them in the future, how do we get them to happen so that they are tracked? And I think that means we're going to have to rely less on keywords, which is nice, and more on just ideas. You know, when you're searching for something, like uh, Google, you know, came out with RankBain recently, and they had the example of people were searching for how to uh, play through a Mario game, 
and they wanted to do some one of those speed runs and they wanted to do it without a feature. Well, Google kept feeding back results before Rank Brain of with the feature because they couldn't figure out how without function in that sentence. And then Rank Brain suddenly did. They can understand the grammatical aspects of a sentence and come back with what people are really searching for. So we don't have to stick exactly with the search term. You know, if we're selling coffee, we don't have to explicitly say, coffee for sale in Kansas City, we can go more general. We can speak in a more naturalistic sense, and that's still going to be picked up by search engines, which will be nice. I think I think it's going to be really hard to get fully away from keywords, but I do think that the virtual assistants and the, the logical search is definitely going to push us more in that direction. I kind of wanted to uh, just go back, you know, how the search function or the uh, speak to search type thing. I think you got to think about like the generational gaps, like our grandparents had to like physically go into a store or, you know, call from their like that kind of phone where you like <laughs> the crank rotary it. Phone. Yeah, the rotary phone. Then they had to physically call to find a service or whatever it may be, call the operator and like, send me to the plama and like, you know, stuff like that. And then like our parents, you know, used, you know, yellow pages that they got delivered to their house or they, you know, started to use the small amount of the internet that we had where then we you know, being in our 20s and things like that, we've used, always pretty much used the internet to find what we need to where now younger kids, uh, like my sister, she's 16 years old, and I hear her constantly using the Google search feature all the time. Google, where's this at? Google, what's near me? This and that. And like, I don't, I don't ever use it because like, I, I just don't get it. And so I think that as that progresses and more generational people start using it, there's going to be a lot more, you know, trackability, a lot more uh, features to it and things like that. So another huge, huge aspect of the future of SEO. I think the next thing that I see happening in terms of, of that specific topic is I'm sure you've done a search like you want to find a pizza restaurant, but you're going to another city tonight. And so you want to find pizza near that city. Well, if you're not in the location, you never get the same results as when you search when you're there. And the algorithms are going to get better at figuring out what we want more or less before we even know what we want. Yeah, especially with our search history. I think we'll get to the point where when you search for pizza in Overland Park, you're going to get all of the... I don't know what kind of pizza you like, Morgan. Yeah, the the Artigo but, pizza or the De Bronx pizza. Yeah, exactly. The yeah. New York style. And like yep. Austin will get the Chicago style pizza because you like Chicago style pizza for the sake of this example. Don't give me that look. Yes. Kim, Kim so, I think, like Chicago pizza. Kim, like, she Chicago. lived in Chicago. There you go. Oh, that's she doesn't want to say Louis. That's right. Okay. So now you guys both use the same search term. You both say pizza near me, but you get completely different results because Google has figured out your preferred taste. Well, an integration with calendars and your email and everything. Yeah. I've gotten results where it's like, hey, I saw you were looking for this. Do you know you have an appointment tonight at 7 o'clock? And I was like, Google, stop it. I don't need seven things telling me I have an appointment tonight at 7 o'clock, which I oh, don't. Oh, I do. <laughs> what blows my mind with Google is my phone knows when I get into my car around 5 o'clock, and it'll tell me this many minutes until... Yeah, like you'll be home in 20 minutes it, or And whatever. it took it a while because I moved. When I moved, it would say this many minutes until you, go, until you get to Shawnee. And now when I moved, it took a little while to adjust, but not that long. It was probably a week and a half, and it goes, oh, okay, seven minutes until you're here. And okay, see, and you like that, and it, it freaks no, me out, no, so I you I don't like of, it? I, I kinda, it did kind of freak me out because I was like, how do you know? And I understand it's my GPS. Like your most, your most visited places and things like yeah. that. Yeah, and that's what, you know, it when I am in Shawnee or I'm somewhere else and I'm getting ready to leave, it's like so-and-so minutes until an Overland Park because that's where I live and that's where I go to work. So Google knows I'm here. See, I've turned that off because it freaked me out so much, but it makes you wonder. We have this technology to do so many things, but 
what are people going to gravitate towards and what are they going to get really freaked out by? Like these ad blockers. We know that people are inundated with ads. Eventually, those are going to have to weed themselves out. What else do you think people are going to develop and like and then develop and hate? This is not necessarily the future of SEO, but it kind of makes me think of there's an episode of Parks and Rec where a uh, like Google-type company moves in and then they send boxes out to everyone in the town yeah. and it's all their favorite things based on their search history. So yeah. like one guy's getting like dead stuffed mice dressed as celebrities because that's all he searches online. It's crazy that, you know, that that is technology that actually exists. I don't think that Google would go as far as sending you a box of whatever it is that you're searching, but they know. Well, like they know. And in that episode, one of those drones carrying gifts got shot out of the sky because the character was very worried about that security intrusion. And it's funny, but I think it brings up an important point. Uh, we're you know, we want the convenience and the ease of these things. We want to know if traffic's going to slow me down on the way home. And I want Google to give me the pizza I like. So I'm fine with giving this information away in a way that's tracked by companies that are interested in the bottom line and are often tracked by governments too. There's a report recently where Google said they had um, complied with 68% of the requests the government had made them thus so far in 2016 for information. And they said that they had given them some information. So maybe it was very little, maybe it was a lot. We have no way of knowing. So are we concerned with, as we get more hyper-focused and hyper-local for SEO, that we're starting to intrude on people's privacy? Or are we going with the idea that, hey, they signed up for this, so therefore it must be okay? I think there's a line there. I think that some people are just getting used to giving up their privacy, and other people are really fighting to keep it. And we're going to get to a point where some things people are okay with, and other things are, you know, illegal because it's become so much of an issue. But a lot of the companies right now are respecting that line. So I don't think it's become as prominent in common culture as it probably will in the next few years. And I think that will be also just a challenge that we'll have to face because it was, I think, last year or two years ago, a woman, she was a teenager and she was pregnant and she was searching on Target's website about like I'm sure she was just looking at prices for things oh no I heard about this and they sent an ad either to her house or her dad found something she went to Target so Target knows what you buy and Mm -hmm. then it prints out those coupons for you when they leave and it printed out a coupon for like baby wipes when her dad went to Target the next Mm -hmm. time and used the same credit card and like he found out yeah totally freaked out and but he would and he yeah he freaked out but sure enough like his daughter was pregnant but it's like you know I think you're saying I agree with Morgan like there's a line somewhere within this but how how do you know or where do you know to draw that line because let's say if I actually was an expecting mother and knew I was an expecting mother and, and went to Target I would have loved that baby wipe ad where do we maybe with SEO where do we find or where do we decide to draw that line or do we think Google or these other major search engines are going to draw the line for us? I don't think that there's necessarily going to ever be a line. I think if anything, it's going to be more of a zigzag because you people want that that search. When you're searching for something on Google and you can't find it, like and it doesn't give you a result, whoo, talk about being upset. Yeah, no, you get real angry at it. So them taking the information, creating a profile of you or a, a user that's like you, whatever it may be, to help you with these you know, searches and things like that, that's only going to increase. Right. I mean, like uh, that story that Anna told, um, where she like, literally was like, well, what's that song about that one? I did that the other day. My roommate was like, hey, what's that music video with a deaf girl? And I literally just typed in music with a deaf girl, like, whatever the name of the song was, came up. So I think that's only going to increase. People are going to profile and continue to profile users. Dun, 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 dun.
So I think we've discussed ideas like VR, user experience, personal search, app development, all of these things where marketing is becoming more individualized. It's becoming hyper-focused, hyper-local, and we as marketers need to be prepared to, at one hand, develop marketing that's about that user experience, about that individual approach, because that's what people want out of their marketing, while at the same time respecting their privacy their personal requirements, and also the guidelines that search engines are giving us so that we can rank well for those topics. Does that all sound right? Yeah, and I think at the same time, we've got to keep an open mind because at the end of the day, we don't know what's going to happen in five years, and it may go off in a completely different direction. But that's kind of our job is to figure that out as we go and stay up with current trends and make sure that we're doing what makes sense for not only the businesses and our clients, but the consumers too. A very good point. I agree with you, Anna, and I agree with Morgan. You know, like we can't 100% predict what's going to happen, but we sure as hell can try. Uh, my last statement, I guess, would be uh, look for mobile. I mean, I, I am one of those people who I have a work computer and I do my work on it, but personal-wise, I do everything on my cell phone, and I know plenty of people that do the same thing. I actually didn't buy a new laptop this year when my laptop died, and I haven't really felt the pain from yeah, it. Yeah, not at all. No, yeah. I can do literally anything and everything I want to on my cell phone. Thank you listeners for tuning into episode three. Come back soon for episode four, the Go Local podcast. <laughs> <laughs>